Our culture says you can have it all, but having it all comes with a price, especially if you are a parent. Enter today's guests. They have four words of advice. If you're trying to balance your work and family, if you're a big-time executive, an entrepreneur, a small business owner trying to keep your head above water, listen to these four words, go home for dinner. Today at the Radio Backyard Fence, from the great state of Indiana, former congressman, governor, and vice president Mike Pence will join us. He's written a new book with his co-author, Charlotte Pence Bond. Yeah, his daughter. It's going to be a great hour. Both are with us today. It's a great day to go home for dinner, so let's get started. First, a thank you to our team. Ryan McConaughey is doing all things technical. Trish is our producer and the chair today. Gabby T will be answering your calls. And thank you, friends and partners, for your support in November. We can't do what we do without your help. And our thank you this month is a story from my heart titled Saving Grayson. November is Alzheimer's Awareness Month. And the main character in this story is unreliable. You don't know if you're getting the truth or Grayson's version of the truth. I'm hearing from readers that it draws you in and won't let you go because there are some surprising twists, of course, as you read about a family trying to love somebody well who's dealing with Alzheimer's. I want to send you a copy. How do you get one? Give a gift of any size. We'll send you Saving Grayson. Call 866-95-FABRY, 866-953-2279, or just go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org. You'll see how you can give right there, become a friend or a partner with us, chrisfabrylive.org. Thanks for your support at the Radio Backyard Fence. Now here's a fellow who's a former radio guy, too. Mike Pence served as the 48th Vice President of the United States 50th governor of Indiana and is a member of the U.S. House of Representatives, and a whole lot more. He's joined by his co-author, Charlotte Pence Bond, who is a best-selling author of Where You Go, Life Lessons from My Father, as well as the Marlon Bundo Children's Series, which her mom illustrated. She works as a writer and reporter at the Daily Wire. Today is the release of their book they've written together, Go Home for Dinner, Advice on how faith makes a family and family makes a life. Mr. Vice President, I'll start with you. Welcome to the program. How are you doing today? <laughs> oh, we're doing great. Thanks. Uh, great to be over the backyard fence on Chris Fabry Live. Thanks for having us on. Charlotte, welcome, and congratulations not only on the book, but your baby daughter, Edda, both in the same year. That's pretty special. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Mike, where did that, Mr. Vice President, Where'd that phrase come from? Go home for dinner. Where'd that originate? When I was first elected to Congress from Indiana and started to show up a little bit in public debates and on cable television, people would sometimes come up, Chris, with a flattering question, which was, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? And I'd always always answer it the same way. Home for dinner. <laughs> because, you know, from early on in my life, I had a calling to public service. I always felt like uh, that, uh, you know, the, the passion of my life was to go and make a difference in the world. So I never, I never have to be motivated to do hard work. I never have to be motivated to try and and be out and having impact in the wider world. But uh, what I learned along the way, and we write about it in this book, is that uh, making the decision to go home for dinner, making the decision to put your faith. Uh, and your family, first and foremost, above everything else, uh, has made all the difference in our lives. And I, I really do believe that uh, that along the way that uh, 
the families in our country have have, uh, have lost that practice. I and I hope as we go uh, as we approach Thanksgiving, we approach the holidays that uh, that people listening on on Moody Radio Network across the country might just uh, think back on first principles and think about renewing their commitment to their faith and uh, to also just be in there on a regular regular basis, uh, breaking bread around the dinner table with their families. What did that do for you, Charlotte? Because you you couldn't uh, see you didn't see anything else other than that that the he, your dad came home for dinner and your mom too, right? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, I think that we just um, at least I really grew up seeing um, my parents live out putting their family first and putting their faith first. So. A lot of times that means that you have to make a hard decision or you have to put, you know, your career or your job or to the side and something that um, is something that is, I think, hard to do at times, but it's it's always uh, just really impactful. So, yeah, it's it's um it's something that I definitely saw. I mean, especially even when my dad was in really, you know, <laughs> high level jobs, he was always really putting us first and making sure we knew that we came above that. And available. So when you made the decision, you and Karen made the decision to move the family to D.C., and that was kind of countercultural. Not everybody did that, right? Yeah, it it really was, and and uh, it still is. But uh, you know that uh, you know honestly, you know, for me, when I was elected to Congress on the third time trying, Chris. <laughs> took me about 12 years to get elected to Congress the first time. Um, our, our kids were very young. Charlotte, I think, was about eight years old. And uh, we just uh, we thought it was important to keep our family together. So Karen and the kids lived in the Washington, D.C. area with me during the school year and went home to our home in Indiana regularly, but also for the summers. And uh, But it just made it possible for us to, to be there with one another. But I you know, I, I just would tell you that, uh, you know, that the genesis of this book came from a friend who heard that I was writing my autobiography a couple of years ago. And he said to me, you know, I'm interested in reading, reading your story because I like history and politics. And and uh, he said, I, but the book I really want to read is is how do you have a family like yours uh, living living the life that you've lived in in the, in public life? And I I gave God the glory immediately. I mean, the Lord gets all the credit for anything we've ever done with our family or our careers. But uh, the next thing I said to him was that, uh, you know, it was really about making decisions, being intentional. And and that's where Go Home for Dinner was born. Yeah. And we have it linked at the website. If you go to chrisfabrylive.org, you'll see it right there by Mike and Charlotte Pence Bond. Mike Pence Charlotte Pence Bond, go home for dinner, advice on how faith makes a family and family makes a life. And here's the thing we talked about yesterday, our guests were talking about their own vulnerability with adoption in their life. There's a lot of vulnerability here, and I think that's one of the strengths of the book. We'll talk about that more with Mike Pence and Charlotte Pence Bond straight ahead on Moody Radio. Forty-eighth Vice President of the U.S., 50th Governor of Indiana, Mike Pence is with us today, as well as Charlotte Pence Bond. They have written together, Go Home for Dinner, Advice on How Faith Makes a Family and Family Makes a Life, 
888-382-3675 is our number if you want to talk with them. But I don't guarantee. I got tons of questions here. And the spiritual center of the book for me, let me ask you, Mike, um, it seems to me that when you get to it's, the chapter's titled Fulfill Your Purpose, I want you to take us to Greenwood, Indiana, to the community church there, to Pastor Charles Lake. He gave a sermon that changed things. Tell me that story. So I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior uh, when I was a freshman in college, and it changed my life forever. Um, uh, would would marry a few years after that to the girl of my dreams, but uh, we got into politics early on in our careers. We had some real disappointments. Our, our our family came along, and I was, to be honest with you, I was kind of struggling um, in the mid '90s with uh, with where I was headed in life and how whether I was going to have the opportunity to uh, to serve uh, our country in any way and how I would balance those things. And it was. Uh, it was at the Community Church of Greenwood, Dr. Charles Lake, who gave a sermon in 1997 in which he, he referenced Genesis 18:19, which was a verse I hadn't ever heard about before, where God is uh, speaking about Abraham. He says, in effect, he said, I've chosen him to see to the members of his own household that they would do what is right and just so that the Lord would fulfill his purpose for him. And I remembered in that moment, Chris, as you've apprehended, I, re- I remember in that moment with three young children and, and aspirations in my heart to, to make a difference in the world, I felt a tremendous burden lifted off my shoulders because I felt like in that verse there was a truth that that essentially said my purpose in life was to be the husband uh, and father that God was calling me to be. My purpose was my wife Karen and Michael and Charlotte and Audrey. And that if I focused on them, if I was intentional about about making them a priority, that I could be confident, as the Scripture said, that God would fulfill His purpose for me. And uh, and, and I must tell you, it it uh, it it began a process for us uh, of really making decisions, like the decision to move our family to Washington D.C. to keep them close together. It was decisions that we've made along the way to to carve out time uh, for our families, even in the midst of. Uh, a busy life serving our state, serving our nation. And uh, so I feel a great debt of gratitude to uh, to Pastor Lake for that day. And and, uh, and while I haven't done it perfectly, and that guy I hope comes through in the book too, Chris, we've, yeah. we've always tried to live up to that standard. Okay. So what you've just put your finger on is, number one, the sovereignty of God, that God has his plan and he's going to work it out in your life. But there's also this thing that I've just been bubbling up for me in the last year and has been the process versus the outcome. You were all outcome-based from 88 on to try to get into uh, the political world. And when you let go of that, when you just focused on the process of it and, and, you you know, open-handed, that's when things started to happen for you. Is that true? Uh, I think it's... uh... It's very eloquently stated, frankly, and uh, I, I wrote a bit about this in my my previous book entitled "So Help Me God" about the, the disappointments of my early days in politics. I, I felt like I didn't just lose a couple of elections, Chris. I, I lost my way. I ran campaigns that really didn't honor God and didn't live up to the standard of my Christian faith called me to. And but as I was processing all of that in the 1990s, it was—I had to tell you—I was, I was so glad to be able to put pen to paper and 
to be able to reflect on on what what we need to be working on every day. You know, there's so many distractions in all of our lives every day, and I I never need anybody to motivate me to work hard. I'm <laughs> I love hard work. Uh, I love to be doing everything I can to to uh, uh, make a difference in the world. And I, nobody ever needs to inspire me to do that. But but go home for dinner is uh, uh, that was really born in that in that moment uh, where I realized that that what I have to decide to do every day. And when my children were very young, and and I was working in radio, Chris. I part of the day I had a little home office in the morning after my radio show. Sometimes the hardest thing that I would do, and Charlotte said this was a surprise to hear, hear Henry say that when we were working on the book. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to shut the computer off, close the day planner, and go downstairs and, and spend time with my young family and listen to my kids and really focus and forget about work uh, for the evening while around the dinner table. And uh, But it's the most rewarding uh, thing that uh, I could have done, and it's made an incredible difference in our family's life. I think that's one of the things that COVID did with more people coming home is that you see there's something I could be doing all the time. And you've got to make the conscious choice to close the door, turn off the computer, turn off your phone, too. Um, Was there anything else that surprised you, Charlotte, in writing? Did you discover anything new that you didn't know or, or a different perspective like that on your dad? Um, you know, it's it's funny because I did feel a little bit um, when we've kind of been talking about it and been talking about how it, he's said, you know, it's difficult for him to um, put his family first at times. I, I think um, it's interesting because I'm not I don't really feel like I thought that growing up. Um, I didn't know that. And I think that that's kind of a testament to him and to, um, you know, to my mom and, and the values that they they really lived out. And of course, didn't do it perfectly all the time. But uh, I think just just making sure your family knows that you prioritize them, you're putting them first, that you want to be there even when you can't is just really important. And and yeah, I, I think that um, I think that they they did that so well. Yeah, it wasn't then a perfunctory Extra. thing. It was it was. You could if you, if your if your daughter and kids can sense this. Kids can sense if you know I don't. He doesn't really want to be reading me this Charlotte's Web or whatever the books were that you mm-hmm. you read. I think you tried to read Lord of the Rings, didn't you? At some point. Oh, I did. I did read. Uh, I did read the Lord of the Rings to my son Charlotte and I read uh, books together. Uh, but I in the book when our our youngest daughter came along, I one of my regrets is that I just never finished. Never finished some books that we'd started reading together, and um, uh, and it's one of the things that we try and convey here. I, I hope uh, I hope people sense as they read, go home for dinner, that um, uh, we're, we're a very average Christian family. We've <laughs> we've we've tried to make our way, and by God's grace, we've had extraordinary opportunities to serve. But we uh, we face the same stresses and strains. And as a dad, I've uh, I've I've had. Uh, uh, as many times where I, I felt like I came up short and wished I'd done better, and uh, that was one of them. Yeah. When you were little, and you give great tribute to your father throughout the book, but Thank when you. you were little, uh, children were to be seen and not heard. <laughs> did did you want to change that with your own family then? I, I, you know, I really did. But uh, But going home for dinner is something that I learned— Growing up on 31st Street in um, 
Columbus, Indiana with a cornfield in my backyard. You know, we'd be out on long summer days and but when when we'd hear the call come from the back door of the house for us to come in, me and my three brothers, two sisters, we knew it was time to come in, wash up, uh, put on a presentable shirt, and be at the dinner table. And there's just something about that. And I, honestly, um, the the American family is struggling today um, with all the all the different cross currents. And I'm not sure the social media hasn't also intruded an awful lot on what was once family time. Uh, there's so many pressures that we all face that, um, um, you know, we, I, I just have a sense talking to people at, during my time as vice president, my time traveling around the country the last two and a half years, even in my campaign for president, that that uh, that, that people are struggling. And I, it's, I, I hope I hope people understand that uh, just getting back to some basics, breaking bread with the most important people in your life. If not every day, just do it every bit as often as you can. It's going to be an enormously rich time. Um, and not that it was, you know, not not that it was Ozzy and Harriet when I was growing up. We try and have some fun writing about that and go home for dinner. You know, we'd we'd sit around that dinner table and kids would listen to mom and dad talk. But there was something about that, uh, as my daughter likes to say, where you really learn uh, how to deal with people that that you don't agree with on everything and and you learn the habits of uh of of civic society in in a very real sense around that dinner table and that's why we want to encourage people to get back. Charlotte, I want you to take us back to 2019 and you'd been engaged, you decided to go ahead and walk down the aisle. Tell me what it was like that day walking down having your dad walk that you walk you down the aisle because i know from reading it that it was pretty emotional day for him what was it like for you um i mean yeah it was extremely special of course um uh yeah our 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 wedding day was um was just it was just a great day obviously not just because i got married um to my husband henry but um it was just a it was just a great day. Yeah, I think that it was kind of everything that you kind of you know would want. Um and it was just very a special it was just a special time for our family too. And in the book we talk about um we talk about actually all all of us our kids us kids weddings. Um and so that comes up a lot. Uh, my sister um had a kind of a covid ceremony wedding and then a wedding later on and so we kind of talk about that too um and that's one of you know one of the stories we include so i think that um yeah absolutely it was it was an incredibly special day and um it was it's fun to kind of see um just the culmination of all these things coming together yeah and and you, everything uh, is going on in the world too yeah, my daughter married a Naval Academy grad, so they got married at the Naval Academy Chapel. And Henry's a Henry Henry's a fighter pilot in the Navy now, Top Gun pilot actually. I'm proud to say. But I'm going to tell you that that chapel at Naval Academy has a very long middle aisle, and uh, that was easily the longest walk I ever took in my life. But one of the things we write about and go home for dinner is from the time Charlotte was very young, we established a little bit of time carve out was. I'd, I'd take her to breakfast on her birthday from the time she was about five years old, and um, uh, one of the one of the most tender moments in in our relationship was on her on her wedding night at the at the vice president's residence. I uh, I, I had a few things to say to my new son-in-law, but um, 
uh, last among them was that uh, he was now going to be the man in her life. And so uh, I expected him to continue the tradition and uh, take her to breakfast on her birthday, as I'd done so many years before. <laughs> oh, that and it was. It's a really poignant moment of the book that where you're 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 telling him this and the you know you said the emotion was really really strong there too, wasn't it? Oh, it's it. It was incredible. I, I, uh, I don't, I don't know that I felt more emotion uh, than I did in those moments because with, I'll never forget we were at a little ranch where we were riding horses when Charlotte was five, and um, I, it was almost like yesterday that I remember walking around. She was wearing her little boots, cowboy hat. We <laughs> I took her to breakfast, and but then it became a tradition uh, during her years in middle school and high school. It was when I was governor of Indiana. We went and sat at a little diner just down from the governor's residence. But it was a tradition, wasn't it, Char, that we we work to keep every year? Because you know, I, I do think that, that uh, the, the continuity of those times and those traditions um, um, you know, are so meaningful. But to hand that off to my new son-in-law, who's a, who's a, who's a great, great husband, a great dad, strong believer, just was one of the great joys of my life. Go Home for Dinner, Advice on How Faith Makes a Family and Family Makes a Life. It's our featured resource. If you go to chrisfabrylive.org, click through today's information, you'll see it right there. It comes out today. So this is this is the day that we have uh, Mike and Charlotte with us. I want to ask you, Charlotte, this is, a, this is a, a really personal question, and I'll let you think about it here for a second. Has your dad ever apologized to you? Because... I hear uh, parents say, well, I can't, you know, I can't apologize to my children because that would bring their estimation of me down. And I think it's the opposite. If you say I'm sorry to a child, they see something different. So did you ever have that experience? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think my my parents have have lived that out really well. I think that it's important to... um, to apologize when you're, when you've done something wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, and I, I think even in the book, I mean, he, um, he admits when he's kind of done something wrong that one of the chapters is called falling short and it's the time he didn't put his family first. And so I think that's important. We definitely wanted the book to, you know, not come across incredibly cookie cutter and make us make our family look like, Oh, we have it all together. And, Oh, you know, I'm glad the Pences can go home for dinner every night and um, kind of in a unrealistic way. I mean, we definitely include times when, um, you know, my dad didn't didn't meet the standard he held for himself. And um, I think just having having that standard and having those guidelines in place is really what matters when you um, get down to it, because, of course, we're all going to have times when we fall short. Or we don't we don't you know meet the bar um, that we set, but having, having that and setting it is still really important, I think. Yeah. Was that when you were governor and you were going to speak to the people and Karen wasn't feeling well? Is that, am I getting that right, Mike? Yeah. No, it was, it was incredible. And it's in the chapter falling short, uh, you know, you know, I tell the story of, uh, you know, just, I'd just become governor. We were just starting to move our agenda in the state legislature. And I had a big speech in Northeastern Indiana to outline our legislative agenda. And, uh, um, and my wife started to have a pain, which ultimately was about removing her appendix. Um, 
And I just, I, I, Chris, I just made the wrong call. I mean, uh, she had a, she had a, uh, a state police officer with her who, you know, took her into the doctor. And I got on the plane and flew to northeastern Indiana. And I've really never forgiven myself for it. She forgave me almost on the spot because my wife is an incredible person. But, you know, I, I think in the book we just we wanted to make it real clear that that you know there are those times that that uh, that. We look back on and and uh, and we regret uh, those moments. But then, when I think of uh, fast forward to this last year, when uh, I was in the middle of a campaign for president, and we had, we had plans to spend a full day with many events uh, in South Carolina, and we got the phone call that Charlotte went into labor. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and at least this mm-hmm. time, you know, to show mm-hmm. you that we can learn a little bit. Uh, we we literally just canceled everything, got on a plane and flew, and it was no real surprise that all the good people in South Carolina, when I called later in the day to apologize for canceling these long planned events, all said, said no, no, that's you get you got to understand. We'd we'd have been disappointed if you'd come under those circumstances. Yes. So sometimes we don't give people enough credit uh, uh, to understand when we put our families first. I I, I failed on that first round, but. Uh, Got got to be there the day I met uh, uh, my little beautiful granddaughter, uh, Etta. And, uh, she uh, she should have gotten a byline in this book, uh, Chris, because she was there <laughs> virtually every step of the way when we were writing. Exactly. Well, and there's more to come, folks. And I'm going to open the phone lines if you want to talk. If this has happened to you, you had a mom or a dad who did this, who made sacrifices, made the choice. We're going to be there. We're going to listen well to our kids. That's what they're talking about in this book. Go home for dinner. Advice on how faith makes a family and family makes a life. You can find it at chrisfabrylive.org. The number is 877-548-3675. More straight ahead on Moody Radio. This is Chris Fabry Live on Moody Radio. Yesterday, we had Michael McAfee and Laura Green McAfee with us, and they were talking about the gift of adoption. And I know our guests today believe in the value of every human life, and that's why I love talking about the work of CareNet. They are casting a pro-abundant life vision for women and men who are faced with an unplanned pregnancy. And the accusation for decades has been, well, you only care about the baby until they're born. After that, you don't you lose interest. And maybe that's your feeling today. I challenge you to click CareNet at chrisfabrylive.org. we got a green button right there. You'll see about the, the more than 1,200 pregnancy centers that serve more than 300,000 women and men every year with free ultrasounds, free pregnancy tests, free pregnancy decision coaching, the options counseling that they have. There's more than one option uh, material support after the child is born, education for parents. You've never been a dad before, and you're going to keep that child and raise it. There are so many other options, though it may feel like abortion is easier. Choosing life will always be the best option. Click CareNet, even if you don't agree with that. Click CareNet at chrisfabrylive.org, where you'll also find about out about Go Home for Dinner. Four words in the title. Advice on how faith makes a family and family makes a life. Charlotte Pence Bond wrote the book along with her dad, Vice President Mike Pence. 
And I, the tone from this, Mike, is this is what I picked up. Be uniquely who you are instead of who you think others want you to be. That was something you had to live into over the years, right? Oh, we really did, Chris. And uh, it, thanks again for having us on Chris Fabry Live. You know I'm a fan for a long time. <laughs> so having, <laughs> having your kind words about this book uh, means an awful lot. Uh, to us. But uh, no, I hope people read this book and, and get a sense of humility about it. We, um, you know, I, I I grew up in a wonderful family in a small town in southern Indiana where, where home for dinner was not optional. Um, my my wife, uh, uh, you know, grew up in a blended family, but, uh, you know, Italian-American stepfather who had people around the table, those traditions were inculcated in us. But but the decision to really put our faith and our family into practice, um, uh, th- those were experiences that we learned along the way. And candidly, are still learning it. But I, I have to tell you, the, the, the richness that has come from that in our life it convinces me that uh, the cure for what ails this country will not just come from who we elect or the laws that we pass. It, it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to come more importantly from uh, renewing the family and renewing a foundation of faith. Uh, of families around the country and getting back to practices like being home for dinner, uh, uh, listening uh, and encouraging, uh, building levees around your family, all the things we write about in the book. You made a hard decision in the last couple of months, and I think it was something like, uh, now is not my time. Um, And that was, I I probably, you obviously haven't written about this in the book because it was too close to the release of it. But that was one of those decisions that it sounds like I have to see what reality is here. Can you walk me through that decision-making process? Oh, sure. And, uh, you know, Karen and I spent the last several years since we since we left Washington, D.C., back from our home in Indiana, traveling the country, and uh, we really felt called to step into the race. I believe the country's in a lot of trouble. We just we couldn't look at the experiences that we'd had as vice president, as governor, and as uh, as a leader in Congress, and and not and not uh, step forward into that campaign. Um, but as I told a pastor friend of mine in Dallas when we made the decision to run, Chris, I was convinced God had called us to run. I wasn't sure whether He'd called us to win, but I had hoped. But uh, as time went on, we we reflected on that verse uh, that there's a time for every purpose under heaven and. Uh, came to a conclusion that it's just not my time. And uh, so we, we stepped aside from the campaign just a couple weeks ago. And uh, I can't help but think it's almost providential that this long-planned book um, uh, about about focusing back on faith and on family and on our personal life isn't, uh, uh, is, isn't uh, just uh, – just God's timing in our in our life and in our family and give us an opportunity to begin a new chapter. What about you, Charlotte? Because you saw your dad handle some losses, not in the early years because you weren't born yet, but um, the, the, the criticism of him when he was in D.C. and some of the things that uh, the barbs that were thrown, which, is, you know, goes around and you expect a lot of that. But to see your dad have to go under it, how did he handle that from your perspective? What did he model for you? Well, you know, I think that um, well, I think for the most part, I've, I mean, I've definitely seen my parents just 
um, seek God's guidance on things. So I think ultimately, even when things don't go the way that you're maybe hoping that they're going to go, I think that it's still, you can have peace in that because you, you know, you've sought God's guidance, you've prayed about it. Um, they will read the Bible and they'll really try to see what God's calling them to do. So I feel that I've seen them do that so much. So I think that it, that definitely, um, helps then when things kind of take a turn or not really sure what God's doing, you can at least still have the assurance and the, um, confidence that he's, um, you know, that you're following his guidance and his will ultimately, um, even when it's maybe not what you thought it might be. Um, in the book, we do talk about, um, disappointments that my dad had in his life and, um, my parents struggled with infertility and, um, he lost his first two elections for Congress and thought he was done with politics forever. So definitely, I think that's, um, that's, that's really interesting, um, just to, to watch them and also to try to emulate, um, is definitely something, something that I hope to do in my life, um, even more so. And, um, I, and I have great examples for that. Yeah. To see the, the things that you don't choose, <laughs> they kind of choose you, the, the bad things that happen in life and that you struggle with, to be able to see that, to accept that, not just the good stuff that comes, but the bad stuff too, as something that God has at least allowed in your life to make you stronger um, and to do that kind of work. And, and that was the other thing that I read, the infertility. I think you and Karen struggled for about five years. You were going, And you we went toward adoption, right? Uh, we did. It was, uh, uh, you know, and, and literally, you know, more than a million families and couples uh, struggle with unexplained infertility every year. And anyone, anyone in the sound of my voice uh, uh, who's experienced that, uh, we, you know, we, we were we were uh, walking that path for five years in our marriage, and uh, uh, we opened our family up to adoption. And uh, when the time came. Uh, and Karen finally became pregnant. Uh, we received word that a uh, that a young girl had um, um, listed us first as a potential adoptive family, and um, we were ready to welcome that child. But the only question that we had, Chris, was whether the runner-up uh, on her list was clinically infertile, meaning that they couldn't have children. And uh, when when we found out that the the couple uh, that was her second choice actually couldn't have children. We stepped aside because we didn't we didn't want to deny another family the opportunity, the blessing. We just uh, put our faith in the Lord and the uh, pregnancy that would be to come, and um, uh, and that then uh, Michael was born not long after that, and then the gal who's on the phone, and then her younger sister. And we've been <laughs> blessed beyond measure. But it was a journey of faith, and but you know all of us deal with disappointments in our lives, and uh, um, you know I don't mean to pretend. Uh, that the decision to end our campaign wasn't a tough call. It was, but, but we have peace. We're trusting God uh, for the future. And uh, I, I have to tell you, it's just a, it's a joy for me to be able to be, uh, you know, traveling the country and uh, uh, reflecting on the principles in this book, because it, at the end of the day that um, in our 38 years of marriage, uh, this is, this has been where I found the most grounding in my life. Cause as, as opportunities ebb and flow, as doors open and close, um, the, where we have found our strength and our joy in our families and our faith in Jesus Christ, 
and in and in making a priority uh, of our family and now not only our kids, their spouses, but our grandchildren and um, uh, and uh, anyone in the sound of my voice that's gone through disappointment, I just I'd encourage you to look toward home, uh, yeah. look toward your faith in the Lord, and uh, you'll find that those challenges in life. Uh, uh, as this, as the song says, uh, grow strangely dim. Yes. See, now you got a hymn in there, and then you also talk about contemporary Christian music that has uh, an effect on you and Michael W. Smith, and I think Casting Crowns. Oh, we got more to come. <laughs> Go home for dinner is our featured resource. Advice on how faith makes a family and family makes a life. We'll even talk about furry friends and their importance with Mike Pence and Charlotte Pence Bond here on Chris Fabry Live. More straight ahead on Moody Radio. Our remaining moments with the 48th Vice President of the U.S., 50th Governor of Indiana, Mike Pence, and Charlotte Pence Bond. You can find out more about them in the new book, Go Home for Dinner. Advice on how faith makes a family and family makes a life. I've got. I wanted to ask you about the radio show. Doing that three hours, you did three hour political show in Indiana uh, before Rush came on years and years ago. Uh, Charlotte's first violin recital. You were there for that. Um, but I, here's when you talk about the dating advice. People ask you dating advice. What do you say when they, yeah, they ask did. you that? Yeah, I was traveling to campuses uh, my first two years uh, after leaving Washington, D.C., and uh, uh, I love love talking to young people on campus, always try and share a little bit about my faith. Uh, and this one Christian young man came up to me at one of the events and said, what, uh, what advice do you have? And I said, talk faith first. And that ends up becoming a, a title of one of the chapters of Go Home for Dinner that um, – uh, after I came to know the Lord as a freshman in college, I, I continued to date a lot of wonderful young ladies. And But it, it seemed like it followed a regular pattern, uh, Chris, that, uh, I'd, you know, we'd go out a few times and uh, have a nice time. And then, then I'd bring up the fact that I'd made a decision to put my faith in Jesus Christ and given my life to the Lord. And uh, things would sometimes become awkward at that point and sometimes wrap up. So I decided... I decided the next girl that I met that I was interested in, I was going to talk faith first. <laughs> and uh, that that girl was named Karen Whitaker, and uh, we've been married 38 years. And uh, so for for me, it's just another one of those one of those practical lessons we tried to include in Go Home for Dinner, and I hope it's a blessing. She was playing guitar when you first saw her, right? She was. I spotted her. She was playing guitar in a church one block from the Indiana governor's residence where we would live about um, 35 years later. But, uh, no, I followed her out the back of the church and uh, uh, told her I wanted to play in the guitar group, which I could have defended, Chris, because I play a little bit of guitar, but that wasn't my primary motivation. But first time we sat down, I just talked to her about the decisions I'd made to put my faith in the Lord and uh, that I wanted to to someday be a uh, be in a Christ-centered uh, marriage, and uh, uh, what I what I found then and have seen every day since is that uh, uh, my wife shares that deep conviction, and uh, we've we've tried to we try to build our marriage and build our family around Him, and and like I said at the title of the book, we we believe to this day that faith makes a family, and family makes a life. Teach your kids to love America. 
that's another thing that is kind of waning today because, and there are a lot, of, it's not like you close your ears and eyes and say, America's great, it's wonderful, there's nothing wrong here. No, there, there, there are things that we need to change in ways that we can grow. But for that younger generation to begin to love the country rather than denigrate it, that's really important to you. Oh, it's just so important. You know, I, I I love history. I've spent my great honor to serve America and serve my state in different roles. But but we wanted our kids not only to see America, but also to understand America's history. And uh, uh, that you know, one of the one of the cherished memories I had when I was a member of Congress was when the late John Lewis, who was uh, a right hand aide to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, would go on to serve in the Congress invited me to the the uh, commemoration of um, of bloody sunday the in in selma alabama and uh, uh, the, the everyone remembers the civil rights march that went across the edmund pettus bridge and i told him we'd come uh, karen and i would come and we'd co-lead the annual pilgrimage but uh, but i told congressman john lewis I, with a smile I'll, I'll only come if i can bring my kids because uh, I wanted them to see firsthand the price that some heroes have paid to move us toward a more perfect union. And uh, we've always tried to be intentional about uh, encouraging our kids to understand how special this country is and how far we've come, even even if we have even if we have ways yet to go. Yeah, Charlotte, you've talked about the importance of doubt or dealing with doubt, especially with uh, the next generation that's coming up. And I don't think that you can really have true faith if doubt is not a possibility. You can't exercise faith if doubt is not there. You know, explain that. Talk about that a bit. Right. We actually, yeah, we talk about that in the book. Um, in one of the chapters, Don't Fear Your Doubts, talks very specifically just about both of my dad and my faith journeys and um, just just kind of just following that doubt a little bit, seeing it through. If you have doubt in your faith or in, you know, um, the faith that you were raised in, um, just to really be okay with that. Don't be afraid of it. Don't, um, don't stamp it out because it's not necessarily going to go away. Um, and one of the lines I really like in the book is, um, just when my dad says to, uh, if you really believe that, there, you know, there is no God or that you do, you don't need religion. You don't need God. Really follow that through to the end and see where it gets you. And it's just kind of challenging the reader to look into your doubts, um, talk about them and don't just hide them away. And um, it's something that I've definitely talked about in the past of um, having doubt and just having in your faith journey um being okay with um, with that at a time, but not for not forever. Doubt is definitely not something we're just supposed to live with and and you know embrace and be okay with. I don't believe that. I believe that we can have answers to the questions that we have, and I believe that um, that God offers those answers when we do um, ask ask those questions. And so, um, but I think I think a lot of young people, especially that I've seen, have kind of had doubts in their faith maybe or their faith hasn't really been tested and then they go out to the world or they go to college or something and and they um they really struggle because they didn't have that 
um, they didn't they didn't feel the ability to ask those questions. And yes. then when they are challenged, they don't necessarily have answers. They haven't seen that before. And so um, I would just ask the questions that you have. And, and I think that um, this chapter in the book that we write, um, I'm really glad we included it because it's really just a, it's a very personal chapter about each of our faith journeys. Yes. Yeah, it was it was very good and and deep. The Bible can stand up to that scrutiny, can stand up to that mm-hmm. uh, doubt. I have to right. give your family Sunday. Let the kids put up the decorations. When you're there, be <laughs> present, not on your phone. Um, and but there was one other thing that I wanted you to talk about, and that is pets. Mike, why? And this may be for the guy who says, the dad who says, no, we're not having a dog in the house or a cat in the house or whatever. <laughs> you you said, no, you're going to give your kids pets, right? But we did. The, the title of that chapter is uh, Find a Furry Friend. <laughs> you know, I, I have to tell you from uh, the first little black lab uh, that we owned uh, early in our marriage to, uh, uh, it seems like we always had a dog. Uh, uh, for our son and uh, and a cat for each of our girls. And it, before it was all over, Charlotte made us inherit a bunny rabbit that she adopted in college that uh, she ended up writing three great books about, children's books. But uh, there's just something about, there's something about uh, uh, pets that I think are, are such a blessing uh, in our lives that, uh, you know, that uh, the Bible says he, he puts the lonely in families. And uh, uh, for us, for our family, uh, that also includes our furry friends. Yeah. (laughs) It's a delightful book, and it's uh, wonderful that a a dad and a daughter have worked on this. And I can't recommend it enough. Go home for dinner. Advice on how faith makes a family and family makes a life. It comes out today, and I'm so glad that you two spend an hour with us talking about it. Uh, Blessings on your travels. Blessings on taking care of Etta. And Karen has been having a good time with Etta while we're doing this program, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. God bless you, friends. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Chris. Great to be on. If you go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org, you'll see Go Home for Dinner, advice on how faith makes a family and family makes a life. And some of the things are, are really deep, very spiritual. The the uh, upbringing that Mike had and the, the difference between him and Karen and then how they came together. One of the things I was really impressed with is when he writes in the book, Karen and I first ran for Congress in 1988. This was not something that was just him making a decision doing it. This is a co-thing that they did. So I think you'll enjoy it. Go to the website. You'll find out more at chrisfabrylive.org. Our program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks a lot for listening.